0: I greet each of you in Jesus' name this morning. I've been looking forward to this message. I actually planned to preach this message a month ago. And I mentioned that I had a message that I was going to preach some time ago, but I'd received a message suggestion. And I realized because the nature of the message that I was, had been thinking about preaching, that the suggestion should come first, well, it was really interesting to me that actually the next four messages, not all preached by me, one of them by John Swartz and one of them by Levi Martin, would fit right in with what I wanted to share this morning. The title of the message this morning is, What Can God Do? So, we think about the little children's song. God can do anything but fail, right? Or lie. Or change. Or sin. God can't do those things. But anything else, God can do. Talking about those messages from before. I'd like to go back over them just a little bit. One of them was about the love of God. That was the first one. And then the next message, Brother John preached about the heart. And he talked about the heart of man in that message. And the heart of man after the fall and the heart of man through the new covenant. Then it was Father's Day, and I preached that Sunday and preached about the Father heart of God and how as we gaze at at, at God and we see Him for who He is, we're changed into the same image. That's from Second Corinthians chapter three, and that's where we're going to end up with a message again today. Then last Sunday, Brother Levi Martin preached here, where all of you he- how many of you were here? Some of you were here. If you did not hear that message, you should listen to that message. That's my encouragement to you. Um, he preached a very good message on the promise of the Father. And so last Sunday we heard about the promise of the Father. And you didn't speak a lot specifically, but kind of summed it up as being endued with power from on high. And our need to be endued with power from on high. Jesus said that that endowment of power from on high would be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. baptism of God's Spirit on the life of His followers. So what can God do? I want to dig in a little bit more to that promise of God this morning. I want to think about what that means. What can God do? 2 Corinthians 4, verses 6 and 7. That's where your text is going to be this morning. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us for god who commanded the light to shine out of darkness which god was that that was the god of creation in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth And then in verse 3, it's the first time it says that He spoke. And He said, Let there be light. And there was light. You stop and think about the amount of light that it takes to make the world light. I have a pretty strong flashlight. And I can tell if there's deer in my field about 250 yards away with that light but it goes a long ways from lighting the world. Headlights on your vehicle give you enough light to drive at 55, 60, 70 miles an hour and be pretty confident about where you're going, but they go a long ways from dispelling the darkness at night. That's the kind of light we're talking about. And God spoke that into existence. And here it's making a comparison. It's saying that's the God. The God who spoke light into existence. Jeremiah 32, 17. O Lord God, behold, You have made the heavens and the earth by Your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for You. And then the next verses go on to talk about Israel's history from Egypt into the Promised Land and how they broke the covenant with God and sinned. And then in verse 37 it says, Behold, I will gather them out of all countries that I have driven them in my anger and in my fury and in great wrath. And I will bring them back to this place and I will cause them to dwell safely. They shall be my people and I will be their God. Then I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from Me. Jeremiah is talking about a covenant to come. An everlasting covenant with a Creator God. The God who created all things. And He's going to put that covenant into their heart. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts. What can God do? He can make a darkness to light transformation in your heart, in your inner person. Colossians 1.13 Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. That word translated there is the same word that it uses in Hebrews chapter 11 when it talks about a man there. Now, how many of you know who the oldest man that ever lived was? What was his name? Methuselah. Methuselah. That's right. But he died before his dad did. His dad was Enoch, and Enoch did not die, Enoch was taken. God took him. And in the book in, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that Enoch was translated. It means he was taken from this life into another life. And that's the kind of transformation it's talking about. It's talking about that we are translated out of the power of darkness that our hearts our lives are in and into the kingdom of his dear son. From darkness to light. Brother John, in his message about the heart, he quoted from Jeremiah 17 the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And we can't. We can't know it of ourselves. But then he went on to talk about when the Holy Spirit shines its light into our hearts, then we can see our hearts the light of God's Spirit can shine in and free us from the power of the darkness that holds it in bondage. Ephesians 3, verse 16, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. And that light shining in that God shines into our hearts is a source of power, an infusion of power into the life of the inner person. What is that light? For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, light illuminates things. It makes things so we can see them. And the light of the Spirit shining into our heart illuminates and makes visible the person of God through Jesus Christ. And Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 3, that's a very familiar passage where He's talking to Nicodemus about the new birth. And He says right at the very beginning of that, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God because he doesn't have that spiritual light shining into His heart, into His inner being. And He can't see the kingdom without the Spirit. John 1, verses 12 through 14. Some of the most precious verses to me in the Bible because it was these verses that sparked the filling of the Holy Spirit in my life personally. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on His name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, Jesus said in that, when He was talking about being born of the Spirit, He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. And here it's saying in John 1.12 that the sons of God are those who are born according to the Spirit of God. And then let's read the next verse. And in verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the presence of the Spirit illuminates the Word of God in our lives, brings it to light and to life. And through that Spirit-guided knowledge, the promises of God are made available to us. 2 Peter 1.3 According as His, His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through what? Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You see, we're back to the promises of God again. The promise of God. And that through the promise of God, we can experience the nature, the divine nature of God coming into our hearts, into our beings. What can God do? He can plant His life within us, giving us life from above that transforms the very nature of who we are. From children of darkness to children of light. To His own children. And then we move from verse 6 to verse 7. But we have this treasure. This precious treasure of the life of God within us in earthen vessels. Now which is most significant? the treasure or the earthen vessel in which the treasure is found. And we were just talking about modesty a little bit a little bit ago. What do we want people to see? Do we want people to see the treasure? or do we want people to see the earthen vessel? Because immodesty draws attention to the earthen vessel. But modesty closed the earthen vessel so that the godly life within, the godly treasure can come forth. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that we can be glorified? No. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That God can receive the glory. That what comes out of our lives can be the power of God and people can see it as the power of God. Jesus concludes His discussion with Nicodemus about the new birth. In verse 21, he says this, But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. That God is the source behind his deeds. He comes to the light so that God is the source. God can be glorified as the source. And those good works are coming out of an abiding presence of God's Spirit dwelling in the life of the believer." And in John 15, Jesus talks about that, and He talks about the vine and the branches and, and uses it as an illustration of a mutual, a mutual abiding. I lost my word there for a minute. He says this in John 15, 4, Abide in Me, you abide in Me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in Me. How does the branch bear fruit? The only way that the branch can bear fruit is if it is attached to the vine. So there has to be an abiding there. And then the vine has to send the life-giving nutrients into that branch. And it's those life-giving nutrients that produce the fruit. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that you can't by yourself, you cannot produce any fruit. You must abide in me, and if you abide in me, I will abide in you. And there will be this mutual abiding. And then through that, you're going to bear fruit. And he concludes that or he, in, John, in verse 8 he says, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. How is God going to be glorified by what I do? It's by Him being the source. In Philippians chapter 2, we're called to have the mind of Christ. And it talks about how Christ emptied Himself. And then it says this in verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do His good pleasure. It's God working in you. What did Jesus do? What was that mind we're being called to that that brings us up to that place? He made Himself of no reputation. He took upon Him the form of a servant. He emptied Himself. Let's think about this idea a little bit of an earthen vessel. And I get the idea of a piece of pottery just and my wife kind of likes these things and we have a couple of them sitting on top of our cabinets but I'm, I'm thinking about just this little you know this little crock or something made out of pottery that's the that's the picture I get with this thing of earthen vessels and you know they have their they have their own simple beauty if you will but they're not anything significant uh, most of ours are cracked and none of them are very old and so, um, you know, they don't, have, they don't have a whole lot of value. But our lives are being compared to that crock. And what our lives are before we come to Christ is they are, they are filled, that, that crock is filled with everything that we think is important. So, you know, whatever. Rocks, dirt, whatever. You know, in in the light of eternity, material things really aren't that valuable. And that's what we put into that crock. We put in the material aspects of life. And then Christ came. And we saw what a human could really look like. And all of a sudden, the value of our earthen vessel just plummeted in our eyes because we saw what humanity could be in Christ. And Jesus came and He said, I am the light of the world. I'm bringing light into the true value of things. I'm helping you to see. And He's calling us to come and empty ourselves by faith. I'm calling you to come and give your life to me. And then I will take that vessel that's left over and I will fill it up with something. I'll fill it up with myself. With my righteousness. With my love. With my spirit. Our job is not to produce the fruit. Our job is to empty the vessel and to present it empty before God. And there's God with His promise. And He has this promise of pure water over top of our vessel and He's waiting for us to empty that vessel and open in faith, open the top to Him and say, Lord, fill me. And He pours in the water of life. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto Me and drink. And he that believeth on Me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which he that believed on Him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So God is just waiting for us to empty that vessel. And call on Him in faith to fill us with His Spirit and to give us an abundant river producing flow of His Spirit into our lives. What can God do in conclusion? God the Creator can make a new creation. His promise is to give life to those who are dead. To breathe into our earthen vessels the breath of life. And then we can become the light of the world. We can become the salt of the earth. Because Christ liveth in me. I think one of the things that the moderately conservative Mennonite church is facing and has been facing for some time is that they've accepted the Protestant view of salvation with required works. And I don't know what all that means to you, but basically what I'm meaning by that is that they understand themselves as being forgiven, covered by the blood. And that when God looks at them, he sees Christ's righteousness and he doesn't see them. But then we acknowledge that, you know, there's works required to go along with that. Okay? And, brothers and sisters, I believe that's part of the reason why. The conservative Mennonite church has struggled with frustration and legalism because they don't understand or maybe they're not truly accepting what the Word of God says about what salvation is. Let me read to you what salvation is. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the Word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to His saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, its getting ready to tell us what it is, Christ in you, the hope of glory. There is no hope except Christ be in you. And that life of Christ in you is producing life-giving water. It's producing spiritual fruit. And that hope there is not hope like we think about hope. We think about hope like uh, it's really dry and I hope it rains tomorrow. That's how we think about hope. That's not what this word means. This word means a confident expectation of glory. And that's where our assurance of salvation is. It's in the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in our lives. And that happens when we empty ourselves and by faith open ourselves up to God. And one of the reasons that things like yoga and Eastern religions are so dangerous is because that's an emptying of yourself and it's not opening yourself to God, it's opening yourself to other spirits. And that's why those things are so dangerous. And that's why we need to be very careful that we stay away from those things. Because Jesus said that if you get rid of, you empty yourself, and you leave yourself empty, there's going to be seven spirits worse that are going to come back in and dwell in you. And we need to open ourselves up to faith. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we open ourselves up to the indwelling of God's Spirit and be people that are empowered by God's Word and God's Spirit. Empowered to live lives the way God wants us to. You'll get out your hymns of the church. I want us to look at a hymn. Number 506. How I praise Thee, precious Savior, that Thy love laid hold on me. Thou hast saved and cleansed and filled me, that I might Thy channel be. Emptied that Thou shouldest fill me a clean vessel in Thy hand, with no power but as Thou givest graciously with each command. Witnessing Thy power to save me, setting free from self and sin, Thou who boughtest to possess me in Thy fullness, Lord, come in. Jesus, fill now with Thy Spirit hearts that full surrender know, that the streams of living water from our inner man may flow. Channels only, blessed Master, but with all thy wondrous power flowing through us, thou canst use us every day and every hour. Do we have a confident expectation? Is it our faith that God would fill us daily with power from on high. That we would be endued daily. That we would empty ourselves daily. That we would die daily to the desires of the flesh and commit ourselves to opening up our lives to the presence and power of God. And these verses from that I used as a text from chapter 4 of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, are in the context of chapter two. And if you, I mean, chapter three. And if you go back into chapter three, it talks about the old covenant. And it says in verses four through seven, and such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the new testament, not of the letter but of the spirit, for the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death written and engraved in stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the administration of the Spirit be rather glorious? If that old covenant was so glorious that those people couldn't even look on the face of Moses And the reason why they couldn't look on the face of Moses was because they were people who only had the flesh with which to fulfill the Word of God. And it was insufficient. But if you go on to the end of the chapter, it says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It frees us from that bondage of flesh and that weakness of flesh. It liberates us And we all with open face behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into that same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, the promise of God is our treasure. And it needs to stay our treasure. It needs to stay the central focus of our lives that we are channels only surrendered to God and that His power so that His power can come in and we can live out practical Christian living that way through the power of Jesus Christ. I think we'll bow our heads for prayer here, but uh, I'd like to ask Ben if he would close the service following the prayer. Let's bow our heads to pray. Father in heaven, we thank You today for your spirit. And Father, we just commit the message this morning to you. We just ask, Father, that your power would be upon us, that we could humble ourselves before you, that we would maintain an emptiness before you, but that we'd always look to you in faith and recognize that by ourselves, in our own strength, there's absolutely nothing that we can do. And that we need to just embrace Your promise and by faith look at Your promise with a confident expectation of the glory that You want to work in each of our lives. So Father, may we just be open and humble before You that Your name might be glorified through each one of us. In Jesus' name, Amen.